Marco Royce. Daniel Marlon! Wonderful! Fantastic from Royce. Jude Bellingham. That's excellent. Jude Bellingham. This is absolutely brilliant. Jude Bellingham! Absolutely magnificent! Rina. Brilliant from the American. Just like that. Graceful. Sally Hoots down for Anthony Modest. Not a bad idea! Hey, welcome back to the BVB podcast, USMNT edition. Uh, if you are a new listener for the first time, just trying to get USMNT coverage, welcome. I'm sorry if that intro made no sense to you other than the Geo Reyna part. I should have just done Geo Reyna highlights throughout the entire thing. It's what I should have done. Might have made a little more sense, but Carver is with me as always. Carver, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well, thanks. And uh, we got a special guest joining us tonight. If you listened to our last episode, which was the special live show with Manu from uh, Gig Impressin, then you heard this guy th- get chime in with a few questions. His name is Matt Baker from the Flyover Footy Podcast. You can always count on Matt. Um, if you're and if you're not from St. Louis, just know this guy's p- basically a St. Louis legend, especially when it comes to soccer. So Matt Baker, thank you so much for for joining us. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I definitely don't deserve that intro. <laughs> But I'm always happy to talk <laughs> St. Louis soccer and definitely right now very happy to talk USMNT. Yeah, so we're, we're all from St. Louis. So if we get a little hyped, especially with the, the starting lineup, just throwing it out there. We're all St. Louis boys. So this was pretty exciting uh, going into, into this first World Cup game and seeing the lineup. But before we get into all that, um, I kind of mentioned this is a USMNT episode we've mentioned before. So if you're here wanting some Dortmund news, there is none except the drama that is Gio Reyna. So we'll talk about that a little bit, but that's all the Dortmund you're getting. This is a USMNT show. But uh, Matt, I'll start with you, and I just want your, like, your thoughts, not even seeing this lineup, but before that, like your, how have you been feeling leading into the World Cup uh, now that it's here? Uh, what, what were your thoughts going into the World Cup initially? Cautious optimism. I, I, was, I was excited with the lineup, with the roster that we sent to the World Cup. Uh, obviously, the two St. Louis guys making the squad was a bit of a shocker, uh, except for the fact that we really had no center back depth. Um, the striker remained an unknown position going into it. We the, the two positions that we talk about for months and months and months, and we came into it with a kind of the old guard. So the the experience that Tim Ream brought, um, the talent that we know our core can bring, and just seeing them in the World Cup for the first time, cautious optimism, absolutely. Yeah. Carver, I know we mentioned the the lineup uh, when it was released. We were able to announce it like as it came out, throwing the delay of a podcast, but we recorded it as, as it came out. So from that uh, moment, because I know obviously we were bummed like with the last international window, and we talked about that before. But uh, like leading into this World Cup, like a couple days beforehand, uh, what were your thoughts going into it, Carver? Pure excitement, that's for sure. I mean, we've been waiting four plus years now after not making the 2018 World Cup and watching this rebuild. And seeing what these kids that we've been watching them play across Europe, across the world for years now, and see what they could actually do. And like Matt said, with Tim getting into the starting lineup, that was a huge surprise to me, but also a welcome one. Um, someone who was debatably not going to be in the squad whatsoever and be on the plane to being our starting lineup for the first game was a, was a cool surprise. So yeah, repped uh, uh, St. Louis there. And just pure excitement for getting ready for this one. 
Yeah, and we'll, we'll touch on it a little more in depth as we get in the episode. But and Matt, obviously, we were watching the game together, so we talked about it a lot. But I, I just so excited the Tim Ream, not only the St. Louis tie-in and connection, but just the experience that he brings, especially uh, as we we are facing the England coming up, and just him with so much Premier League experience and Championship experience, and just he's been playing over in England for a long time. So I think it, it's crazy that he hasn't really been playing for the USMNT. Uh, don't really understand it, so I'm glad that he he got it and he showed that we needed him. Um, and then on the, I'll just mention on the the Josh Sargent thing. Before we dive into lineup, we'll we'll get into it a little more. But for the St. Louis aspect, uh, if you're not familiar with Josh Sargent, uh, he is also from St. Louis. They actually, so him and Tim Ream went to the same high school. Uh, I'm pretty sure Tim Ream's like 15 or 13 years older than Josh, not at the same time, but they they come from the same high school. Uh, both went to uh, the big uh, academy, St. Louis Scott Gallagher, here in St. Louis. So we got some good soccer talent coming out of St. Louis. But uh, the Josh Sargent thing, too. Norwich City did such a great job with this, with releasing a Josh Sargent documentary like the day before the World Cup. And, of course, I watched it before game one and got so excited. Uh, so that I like watched that. I was like, oh, he better get the start. Just obviously a documentary is going to get me hyped, and that's the point of this documentary. But I'm like, Josh Sargent scoring a brace tomorrow. That didn't happen, but just to see him in the lineup, especially after watching the documentary, was was just Awesome. So good. <laughs> well, you know, the the thing that struck me, not just with those two making the the roster, which in and of itself was a surprise, but the starting lineup, the way it, it shook out. I think the thing to keep in mind, if you don't know Greg Berhalter or if you're not familiar with what he what his tendencies are more so than anything, I think that he goes with the guys who are in form. You know, he has he has his guys, I think, but he really errs towards you being in form. So I think that's why we saw a lot of strikers like Jesus Ferreira in the lead up to the World Cup because he was in form in, in MLS. Uh, I think right now, Tim Ream starting, Josh Sargent starting, um, some of the other guys that you saw out there are MMA midfield. They're all in form, like very much so. And so you've got some obvious ones like Pulisic, but if, if you're wondering like why did he choose Ream or why did he choose Sargent, um, there, there, there are tactical things you could talk through, but being in form to me is Burhalter's bread and butter. And those guys brought it and they it is why they made the roster and no doubt why they made the starting lineup. And I'll, I'll just jump in and say, watching that documentary, I don't watch Norwich City games every weekend. Obviously, I'm backing Josh Sargent and the St. Louis aspect makes me way more hype for him. But the thing about that documentary, like it, it led up, it was basically like ended in real time. Like it, the, the documentary ends like with the hint, one him getting the call and seeing the announcement, but it's literally like the week before or the Norwich's last game before the World Cup. So they like have been they've been filming this for a while, but saved it, have been editing as they go, like so that they can release it at the or get as much film in as they can before the release. Like it, which proved to me like he how much he has been scoring. Of course, I've been seeing it on Twitter and everything, but when you see that, like you really if you sit down and watch that, you really see like yeah, he is in form. Uh, he's he's had a unique opportunity. So where he's been playing as the main striker role because Pookie's been out. Um, so he's got this good opportunity to run and he, he's taken advantage of it and he's been scoring a lot. So if you compare that to our other strikers and he is the one in form who literally played last week and scored a goal on his World Cup send-off. Um, but we'll run through the uh, the full lineup. Of course, uh, Matt Turner got the starting goal. We had Dest at right back. Zimmerman and Reem are two starting center backs. Uh, Jedi Robinson left back. Then we, like you said, the MMA uh, in the middle, in our 4-3-3 with McKinney, Adams, and Musa. Uh, Tim Weah, Sargent, and Pulisic started up top. Carver, your thoughts uh, seeing this lineup? 
And we maybe we we hyped up St. Louis a lot, so <laughs> the rest of it. Bring us down to reality a bit? No. Uh, I mean, this is pretty much exactly what we expected from Burhalter. I mean, with the 4-3-3, he's going with that diamond. He's a big fan of Musa, so I'm not too surprised in that sense that uh, he got the start with McKenney and Adams. Um, some people were kind of skeptical if he was going to go with either Wea or Reina, but maybe again with just the hot hand, or some people were saying he was trying to ease Reina in, I guess, from the injuries from the past from Dortmund. But later we found out that I guess it really necessarily wasn't true. But other than that, yeah, pretty standard a lineup of what we were expecting. Yeah, the only two question marks I had really uh, going into it were Brendan Aronson and Gio Reyna. Those, those are the only two guys who I could have made an immediate argument for uh, striker position notwithstanding because that is a cluster in and of itself. But those those two were the notables. Everybody else made sense. You know, I, I wasn't surprised. I was happy, more or less, to see McKenny and Dest out there who had rumored to be picking up Knox beforehand. So I don't know if they were 100%, but they were uh, 100% enough to at least play. So that was a good sign. Um, Tim Ream was the, the, another surprise at center back. Sargent, the surprise we talked about at striker. Um, just because they hadn't really had time in the national team lineup it, for a year plus. Um, Pulisic, obvious on the left side. I really liked Timothy Wea on the right because it gave that verticality, that speed. Um, and when you're going up against that Wales team who plays with that low block, I think it's important to have that kind of attack-minded ability to not just stretch the field, but also, like we saw, carve it up the middle. So I was excited to see that lineup um, with those just couple quick Aronson and Reyna kind of I wonder when they're going to see action. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that's the consensus. Um, I mean, that's definitely how I feel as far as Reyna and Aronson. Like, though, I, I've, it's probably the consensus with everyone, and I've said it for as long as we've been doing the podcast. I'm a big Aronson fan and a Gio Reyna fan, obviously, for obvious reasons. Um, so those are the ones I would, I would like to see in the lineup, but I have no complaints with what I saw. Um, obviously... Really excited for Tim Ream and Sargent, and not just the St. Louis aspect, but like the form aspect and what I just how much I believe in those players. Again, not the St. Louis aspect, but um, like I also like Musa when he's in the middle. And so I I could see Reyna or Aronson both slotting into those central three positions or up top. That's the, the cool thing about them. Like there's versatile players where you get a lot out, out of them in a couple different positions. But then at the same time, like I really like Wea in there too. So I don't know who I would have dropped to put one of those guys in. I, I don't know if there's anybody. I don't know if there's a right call or not. Um, we'll get into the, the subbing a little bit later where that's where I, I feel like we should have seen. We did see Aronson, but but uh, Gio, not so much. Um, so, I mean, first half, we'll, we'll just get right into it. Uh, first half, uh, obviously it looked good. We had a lot of position, possession. We created some chances. I... I think at halftime, people were feeling really good. Obviously, we got that goal, which was fantastic. It was a great team buildup. Uh, it's exactly what you want us to do, and uh, it's the stuff you know we're capable of. But realistically, like we still had like three shots, and I don't even know. I don't remember if they were all on goal, but we had three shots. So although it felt good, we didn't create too much. We did see a chance from Sargent that I think was just wide. If it maybe it hit the bar, I don't remember, but uh, which was pretty early on. Um, but I, I still think you can look at that half and 
statistically like it, you could watch it and be excited. But then when you actually look at the stats and maybe, I don't know that doesn't read everything, especially in a soccer game, but really it's like, we didn't do as much as I, as much as we probably should have still in that first half with how much control we had. Yeah. I I think, um, the opportunities were there. I, I don't think the, the finishing was, and I wonder, I wonder how well that, uh, front line of Pulisic, Sergeant and way I really, gelled because at a lot of the times it seemed like Sargent would so he had a good opportunity early in the match real good opportunity but that was kind of it he he didn't necessarily disappear he just kind of seemed to be be enveloped with the wingers and so uh, obviously the offense ran through Pulisic but Wea seemed to be that that clear option and so Sargent to me almost looked like he was dropping back a little bit into that false nine Jesus Ferreira type position that he specializes in and and then I don't really see that as Sergeant's specialty. So it was, and th- that might have played into just the lack of familiarity with those three playing together. Um, I I thought that we moved the ball very well in the first half. I think the amount of time that we spent with the ball in midfield and in the attacking third was fantastic. And it, to me, coming from St. Louis, I see this all the time where we're controlling that the tempo and we're getting the ball into that attacking third, but we just can't can't put the ball in net. And that seemed to me where it was. And it's concerning for the sheer fact that that striker position has been the biggest unknown. And I thought Sargent did well early, but I definitely thought he faded a little bit. And I wanted to see a little bit more. I wanted to see the ball play through him a little bit more than it did. Yeah, the, we did control the game very well and kept Wales really quiet as well. I mean, I don't remember them really looking threatening whatsoever in the first half much at all. And we did it all in a very calming manner as well. It's, I think a lot of people were surprised at how well and how calm we were, or well we were playing and how calm we looked. Yeah, on the, I looked at the average positions and saw Sargent did drop a little bit deeper than what we're usually seeing him do, making those runs and sometimes even out wide. But yeah, like Matt was saying, he's not, he didn't disappear. I think a lot of his work was just off the ball and kind of helping progress the play and keep attention on him so other players like Pulisic and uh, Wea, excuse me, can make those runs. Um, which, I mean, we did see with him dropping back a little bit. That's kind of what helped create the goal. It was a goal in transition, um, and it was, I mean, it was just a thing of beauty, and everyone lost their mind, and I'm glad. I don't know, something about Tim Weah, too. Like, I think there's a little mystery in Tim Weah, although I, like, I, I have been a fan of what I've seen in qualifying. There's still a bit of mystery, and it's just because I don't watch him week after week, so I don't always know what we're going to get. Uh, but, I mean, everything about that play, like the little drop back from uh, Sargent and then uh, the little... The pass through from Pulisic was fantastic. I don't think we we also saw him later in the game, like just do a horrendous miss pass too. But like that's that's classic Pulisic right there. That's classic Pulisic. We didn't we don't we didn't see it enough in this game. Um, and on him, there's I know so like this game was pretty physical, and I don't think it like we got those two early yellows, which uh, was definitely scaring. Like in the eleventh minute, Des got a yellow, which you mm-hmm. don't want to see your right back getting a yellow that early in the game. And then Weston McKinney too, uh, in the thirteenth minute. And then it, I'm not trying to be like, oh, we like we were gypped and like they didn't call as many fouls, but it, it seemed to be slightly imbalanced a little bit. Um, but then at the same time, what I think goes against us is one thing I don't like about Pulisic's game is he almost just will like not go down. I know he gets fouled a lot, and he was the most fouled player in this game. But I think it's the frust- mm-hmm. how frustrated he gets will have like he'll. He'll get kicked or like and just go down. Not not saying it's necessarily a flop, but and then he'll just stay down and just get frustrated and like slap the floor. And it's like, dude, get up and like 
just keep going. And I think that is a hindrance and that plays into like the mentality of the ref too. It's like, well, this guy's just going to go down and he's yelling at me and getting frustrated, which doesn't help us in that case. I don't know if you guys want to, I mean, your thoughts on Pulisic throughout the game and not, not just that specifically, but. Well, I, I think that what you just said about how he, he tends to be on the, on the mat and kind of just banging and just being frustrated in that sense. That's the forward facing answer to why he's not our captain. And and talent, talent exactly, almost yeah. Aside, talent, yeah, talent almost aside, I think that that's very um, emblematic of of that entire process. But I I do think that um, those early yellow cards really played a factor, especially in the second half. You know, McKinney ended up going off with an injury, which is its own thing that we can talk about with the subs later on. But when you have those two players in particular, Dest McKinney, getting yellow cards that early on, it's going to prevent their aggressiveness so they're they're inherently not going to take as many chances as they normally would and when in the second half Wales made their adjustments and they started to control the ball a little bit more and we needed that physicality to try to play them off the ball it wasn't there from a lot of our midfield and from our 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 right side so that that to me was a huge factor I think that's exactly why Greg was starting McKenney and the role that he did is to bring that physicality to bring that athleticism to someone who can get on the end of set pieces. I mean, people are saying how important they are in international football and McKinney obviously brings it uh, in that sense, in that role. But yeah, having those two yellow cards early on was, was pretty um, concerning. And given now that Wales can maybe start to target them a little bit more, knowing that some of our players can be a little bit more hot headed. So that was, um, you know, it was a little concerning. On, on McKinney real quickly. And I don't know if, if, jump in if if you've seen any like injury updates on him i i haven't seen anything after the game i've kind of haven't dove into everything in depth or looked at any like post game uh, that much so maybe i shouldn't be hosting a podcast right now but here we are um but i know he obviously came off with an injury and my concern is he hasn't been playing at juventus because he's been injured so i was surprised to see him start obviously we like what he brings to this team just as a personality and a, and a leader um and how he can control and and not like you mentioned on set pieces, like you see him score a lot of set piece goals, but just his presence in the midfield and what he can do is, is great. And we would definitely be missing that. But now I'm a little concerned, like maybe he shouldn't have just started. Maybe he, he could have been a sub later on. I th- yeah. The, the injury seemed to be his gr- like groin related. He was definitely holding his groin, but that wasn't the injury he came into the game with. So I, I, I was personally focused on finding out what was going on with Gio Reyna after the game. Um, I haven't seen any long-term concerns with his availability for Friday. Uh, Same with, um, who else was it that got hurt? Oh, Musa is supposedly left with an injury as well. And I haven't heard anything about his lack of availability. So right now, I'm assuming both of them are going to be fit and and available. Um, We can, I mean, we can jump into the sub. So the thing with Reyna, I think we were all hoping to see Reyna come in, especially when we saw the alternative alternative sub. but there, so there's a little like mixed news coming in our, yeah, coming our way. I, I don't know the timeline of this, like when everything came down, I kind of saw it after the fact, but Burhalter had mentioned that Gio had some tightness in their, their, uh, friendly match or practice match or whatever they had. And then Gio is also coming out and saying, no, I'm hundred percent. I'm ready to go. Obviously you can put that on like players just wanting to play and be like it, get their minutes and just kind of play through an injury if they need to. Um, and obviously we know Gio's history and he's, he's been injured for a long time. So we understand 
I will say from the Dortmund perspective, we understand taking it easy and easing yeah. them into things, but yet the last international window, Greg Berhalter starts him in both games. He ends up getting injured, and us Dortmund fans are like, what the hell are you doing? Um, but then after the game, we get the comments from Berhalter about uh, what the speed and physicality that we thought Jordan Morris could give us. I just, I, I don't know how I feel about that argument. Is against Gio? I, I don't know. I want to start by saying I, I think Aronson coming on was the exact sort of sub I would have made to begin with, maybe like four or five minutes earlier. But definitely Aronson and Rainer are both are game changers. And Aronson has someone that, you know, he's got the work rate in him to go and track people down defensively and offensively. Um, so I would have definitely made that sub. But maybe five minutes after that, that's what I want to throw in Reyna next. Reyna would have always been the second sub for me unless it was a injury concern and if that's the case i still don't understand why people are on the bench if they can't play 20 minutes but anyway that's beside the point um and we just yeah we just kept watching the game go on and on and he was not coming in and i was getting more and more confused and especially when yedlin came on too and that going back to at the beginning what matt said about you know greg fancying the hot hand and people who are in form i mean i don't watch much at mls so i could be corrected here but like has Yedlin been in the kind of form where he starts or not starts, but goes in over Scally? I mean, here you have someone who just beat Dortmund, Scally at Gladbach, and who's been a regular starter at a league that's much higher level than the MLS. So that really confused me as well. I mean, Scally's got the physicality. Obviously, he's got the work rate. I mean, he's not slow. He's pretty quick. And I think he could have done a hell of a lot better than Yedlin. So just yeah, two very questionable subs that, you know, I don't want to be too harsh, but like, I kind of feel like costed us the game in that sense because this game was begging for Reyna. I mean, just begging for him to come in, link up the attack, and unlock the Wales defense to net one. Yeah, echoing Brandon Aronson was the right sub uh, to come in first, and the, I I definitely feel the problem started with the late sub. It was clear from the get go in that second half that Wales made adjustments that we were not prepared for, and the 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 attacking minded controlling the ball into the attacking third disappeared at the start of the second half. And I, I would in retrospect, especially knowing that McKinney picked up something would have loved to have seen him potentially subbed off earlier, especially knowing that he may, if he wasn't on a, a minute's count, it was likely that he was going to be the first sub off knowing what he came into the game with. And so why, why prolong it, especially when the, the game, the game frame has completely shifted. And you need a spark out there. You need to change the narrative in that second half. You have to make a late second half adjustment because whatever you did at halftime didn't work. And I think a few minutes earlier may have made all the difference in the world. And we probably wouldn't even be talking about McKinney as an injury concern now. What does Greg do at halftime? I'm still confused about that. Like he walked, he went in there and, and just didn't expect Wales to shift anything up after witnessing that first half. It was really I'm at schoolboy stuff. I'm I'm no I'm no master class A licensed coach myself, but like obviously you got to go in there and be like, well, something's going to change. We're not going to be playing that same kind type of football this next half. Let's go out and lock down a win. But yeah, bizarre. just very on a whim of like, you know what, guys, let's just go for it. It was bizarre to say the least. And I mean, like very early on, like we we saw the tides turning of that game, and so the the fact we made a fairly early sub at 66 minutes, but that was McKinney because he was struggling and injured. So it's like, even it's not early enough though. No, no and the way the game was going exactly like ta tactically wise, like that wasn't a tactical change. That was an injury change, which and, is even more frustrating. Yeah. Honestly. Oh yeah. Because 
a lot of times, like I, I guess a tactical change is like at the 60th minute, typically you'll see stuff. Cause like, Oh shoot, they, they made some changes in the second half. Now we need to counter those changes and get this game back under control, uh, which we didn't see at all. Cause the next sub was it until at 74th is when we saw um, Yedlin come in uh, Costa and then Haji Wright went up top. I want to talk about the, the, I get the MLS crutch or criticism a little bit because um, I, you hear the the back and forth. It's like maybe we don't give MLS guys enough credit. But in the in this game, and I've heard the argument like, okay, if if Jordan Morris was still playing for Swansea, would we have been as mad to see him come in at this game? Because in in the Swansea uh, isn't in the Champions League, <laughs> <laughs> and he's not Gio right now. Um, but so I guess seeing those guys coming yeah. in the game, do you think they did enough? I mean, we you argued about. Uh, Yedlin at right back versus Scali. I, I think the only argument there is throwing Yedlin on is he's the only player on this team that has World Cup experience. So maybe like he's not playing at as high of a level as Joe Scali was, or maybe played a, a great game like Joe Scali did last week. But he does have that World Cup experience, and he does have a lot of European experience. So that's the only one where I'm like, okay, yeah, that that makes sense. But <laughs> Matt, we were, and I'm sure this happened everywhere, but where Matt and I were watching the game at the like St. Louis City SC watch party. We're all expecting like, okay, Gio Reyna's coming on, Gio Reyna's coming on, and announcer's like, well, Jordan Morris is coming on, and we're just like, it was just this collective like, what? What is happening? But I entirely forgot that there were children in the room uh, when I reacted to that. It was that was the most absurd possible call with no information that would lead us to believe there's anything wrong with Gio going into this game, and and I didn't have a problem with any of the other subs honestly. Like I thought that. The three subs we made, uh, bringing in Acosta, Haji, and, and Yedlin, I was fine with that. Like, Des needed to go because he was on a yellow, and he was a liability at that point to me, the way we needed to be playing. Um, Kellen Acosta had has he's he's a, a good, steady midfielder. You know, he he did what he needed to do out there. He saved, I think he saved a goal at one point. I remember being extremely happy with with. He's, yeah, he, he definitely the, he took, did save a goal. He took yeah. the yellow to stop Bale yes. from that open goal. Yeah. Yes, very smart, very aware uh, move. And so I was very happy with his performance. Um, you know, Yedlin didn't stand out in a negative sense. So that's a win right there. Those subs to me were mainly, it wasn't a park the bus situation, but it was definitely skewed towards protecting the lead as opposed to extending the lead at that point, which 75 minutes or so, you know, you could go either way on that. But that final sub was after the game was tied and we're all expecting Gio to come in because we need more attacking might. We need somebody to be the difference maker to come in. And it, I don't think it's a stretch of the imagination that every single person in America watching that lost their damn mind when it was Jordan Morris's number that got called. Not to harp on it, but I just, I did not. I, this is coming from someone who genuinely loved Yedlin for the majority of his career, but I just did not see any sort of positives from his game. I mean, like any cross he whipped in was not accurate. He brought on speed. I'll give him that, but, and yeah, World Cup experience, but that didn't seem to matter much either. But anyway, that's all I was going to say. Go on. You know, another thing we were missing for a decent amount were good crosses. I think it was the first half. I was very underwhelmed with, yes. the, with the crosses that Pulisic was getting. That was, that was the first point. It was, I think the second cross that was more or less like just on the floor where I was like, why is Gio not in the game? That was the first thing that, that first time that I started like, desperately wanting him in the match and for the again i'm not here to just like t 
talk shit on players. But I think what you saw, and maybe the, the lacking of European experience, yeah, Jordan Morris went to Swansea for a little bit, and he got injured, and then he didn't get that European experience because it was cut short. And if he had the opportunity to stay, then we would probably be talking about this a lot different. But what I saw in that game was a couple different instances where Jordan Morris got the ball down in the corner and then tried to cross it, but just kicked it. I mean, granted, like the the defender like kicked it right at the defender or the defender was ever able to block it, but it's not he didn't have the skill necessary to get around the defender to get a cross off, which is what we needed. But whether Geo goes in there and is playing out wide or he can play through the middle and carry the ball through the middle, um, I just think like he has that experience in the skills to to do that, to whip the ball in or to work it through the middle, which I thought you, you kind of saw that that was lacking with Jordan Morris on the, the couple occasions uh, where he had the ball in the corner. Yeah, for bringing on Haji Wright to whip in crosses, I mean, I don't really understand. We weren't setting him up to succeed whatsoever. We were putting in people who could not cross. The other thing to me is that it, it's a lot of perception-based, right? Like, So thinking about how we responded as fans and what our expectations were, if we knew that Gio had something going on and he was – specifically being held out now granted you wouldn't as a coach say this ahead of time for uh gamesmanship purposes but knowing what we know now having jordan morris in there it doesn't hurt my soul as bad as it did in the moment because as opposed to being our third choice on the winger which he should be our third choice out there he was the next man up and and looking at who else might have been available i don't have the biggest problem in the world with him being out there but what carver just explained kind of goes to that absolute skill drop-off that exists between an option like Geo versus an option like Jordan Morris. And yeah, Morris is, he's fine. He's good in MLS. He's a great forward in MLS. Um, Geo is a better option. And knowing that we had that on the bench and knowing afterwards that he said, but I'm 100%, I'm good to go, that hurts. Yeah, I'm not doubting Morris's ability in certain aspects of his game. I mean, I just I just don't think he was the kind of player that we were needing in that moment. Yeah. Even quality aside, he was just not the player that we were needing. So sticking on the the MLS topic, what the comparison the MLS comparison, what did you think of Zimmerman pre penalty? Because I I don't think Zimmerman had a terrible game. Obviously the the penalty was horrendous. And also when we were all watching it together, um it was like we we're all like, oh no way, that's got to go to VAR. That's not a penalty, and we all see the replay, and it was again like, oh no, god, <laughs> it was it was it was horrible, and that was murder. You you could also argue in that moment that Gareth Bale in like the 86th minute where he's been running the whole game, and he does not have a lot of like minutes lately. Um, like, is he that much of a threat back to goal? I think in the moment, yeah, Gareth Bale probably could have turned around and scored. Like, you'd never want to take the chance. Going to the floor wasn't the best opportunity, but I guess that penalty aside, I mean, your thoughts on, we can praise Tim Ream. We can, this can turn into a let's praise Tim Ream uh, for the rest of the podcast if you want to, but I guess I, Zimmerman, I'll, I'll just say, I think he held his own for a lot of this game and it wasn't ter- too terrible until the penalty. Pre-penalty, I was pretty happy with Zimmerman's performance. I thought he he was making a, a good tandem with Ream. He was completing all of his passes. He was putting us in a position to play the ball through to Tyler Adams. I, I thought he was doing just a fine job. And he came in with that as my expectation. Walker was the one center back, I think, at that point that we could rely on to get the job done, especially given our injuries uh, and, and depth at that position. So he was the known. And up until the 
80 something minute, he was, he was doing, he was doing a fine job. You could go back a few months and everyone online was saying Zimmerman had a lockdown starting spot. So I don't know what everyone now is suddenly just turning on him and acting like he shouldn't have ever played to begin with. Cause yeah, I thought he did a pretty fine job too. And I mean, this is random. This has not much to do with him, but I thought it was funny. I had one friend a few minutes after the penalty start shit talking Tim Ream. And it's like, this is why he shouldn't have been on the team. And I was like, that was Zimmerman. And he was like, oh, it's <laughs> like wrong man bun. Wrong man bun. Yeah. Be, besides that moment, I'm I'm completely I'm fine with Team Man Bun. I think, and I do because he he did have a good game. Like I feel, I feel terrible for him too. Um, obviously he made a mistake, but hopefully he can move. I still think he deserves a start in the next game, and this is where we'll where we'll transition. Unless we, I think we gave Tyler Adams the uh, the Jude Bellingham effect, where he just was so solid that like we didn't actually talk about him enough, but. I'll give some credit to Tyler Adams. I thought he was fantastic in this game. Yeah, he was really saving our asses the last few minutes. Yeah, I don't think you can say enough about him, but at the same time, you don't need to say a lot about him. And that's just the type of player Tyler Adams is. He he is the steadiest player on the roster. He's captain for a reason. He's the guy who our, our, our possession-based offense runs through. I think everything that he was tasked with doing in this match, he did. And... And he prevented a lot of opportunities from Wales as well. He he did that end to end Tyler Adams, and he did exactly what we would expect him to do, which is a high standard because he's such a good player. Yeah. Also, speaking of good players, and this will transition us into England, uh, but Tim Ream, again, I was excited to see him in the lineup, and I think he proved it. Like, he proved his experience uh, like he held it down in the back and I think he did fantastic. And Matt, I know we, we talked about this in person. I alluded it to her earlier, um, but I'm, I'm concerned. I didn't expect him to start this game because I, I want him to start against England. And I was thinking just like you look at that England team with the exception of Jude Bellingham, it is a fully premier league team, which is why I think Tim Ream coming into this as a premier league player who plays against these guys literally every weekend. Um, like we want, that kind of experience, like he knows how to handle it, especially if we're going to be like sitting back more, uh, which you could argue like, I know Fulham, they have a great striker in Mitrovic and they still go at teams, but he's still experienced in, in that, like taking the pressure from all these premier league level guys. Like he's going up against Harry Kane, who's their captain and striker and, and he, all these other attackers like Raheem Sterling and, and uh, Sokka, not Sokka. Yeah. Yeah. No, Sokka. Sokka. Yep. I should have just asked Matt right up top. Sorry. Uh, sorry to offend you, Matt, uh, the the Arsenal fan over there. But like, th- this is what he plays in week in week out, and so I'm my concern is since he played 90 minutes in this game against Wales, uh, I'm concerned that maybe he won't get the start against England, where I feel like we really need him. So, I mean, your th- guys' thoughts on Ream uh, in this game and going forward against England? I I echo that. I want to see him start. I want to see him play all 90 minutes. Um, the fitness is the big question mark. To me, if he's fit, then he plays. Nothing we saw on um, on Monday really told us that there should be a question mark around that. If anything, you know that one play aside or not, I thought Reem was definitely the better the better center back. He he took away chances. He was a better ball distributor. I think right now he's my number one center back. And if you're gonna if you're gonna do anything with that back line, which we know Aaron Long is lurking. You're gonna. I, I would like to see Reeman Long as opposed to Reeman Zimmerman if there's going to be a change made. Now, with that said, I don't. 
I don't think there is reason to make a change in our center backs. I think the familiarity, I think the the way that they were controlling that space on the back line will lend itself well to England. I And I think if we have, I think it's going to come down more to our fullbacks than it is our center backs as to how a lot of the playmakers on England's front line are really controlled. That's a, It's a tight line that they can keep. And so I think Harry Kane can be controlled with those two. So yeah, I, I, I don't see anything wrong as long as the fitness is there for Reem being there on Friday. I think some reports came out saying that Kane actually picked up a slight knock in his ankle. So yep. uh, we're not even sure if he's going to be ready to go for Friday either. And and it's going to be one of the biggest tests, I think, of Reem's career fitness-wise. I mean, obviously, he's going through a grueling season right now. Um, everyone's said the biggest concern to begin with is if he does get called up, he would be exposed the most against England because of the high line we play in his age. Um, but yeah, like Matt said, I don't think there really needs to be a change at the moment uh, other than I think CCV needs to be our third choice. If anything, I think Carter Vickers is miles ahead of long personally. I think that note of our high line and needing to, um, needing to track back is what may give long the edge at least with familiarity and, and experience in that type of um, a need for, for him. Throughout the the rest of the pitch, do you guys see any or see or want any other changes given there's no like serious injuries? Are there no serious injuries? I don't know. Is it safe to say that Geo's not seriously injured? <laughs> and I told you I'm not prepared. I, 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 I mean, I like, so I don't, I really don't want to harp on Geo. I'm just like, I all day long, I've been going back to those quotes at the end of the game and I think Carver said it earlier. Like if, if you're not, if you're not fit enough to be considered to make an appearance, why are you even named to the bench? And, and that that's geo in the first game to me, because when, when you got to that point of needing a, a sub to make a difference and you're going with, um, you're going with just a player who you need to win a game speed and, and physicality. And you go with Jordan Morris. Rain is not hundred percent fit in the eyes of the coach, despite what he says. Um, so if that tightness can be resolved, our, our indicator for what, whether or not what they say is Reyna will start. Like I don't, if, if he's healthy enough to play, he needs to start period. End of story to me. And if we don't see him in the starting lineup, I would immediately think that he might not be available for the match. Where do you think he plays? I, well, so that's a tough one, isn't it? Because way ahead of one. Yeah, but it also might depend on the health of our midfield. So needing to confirm the status of McKenney and Musa, um, you know, I, I would like. I think he'll. I think he'll play on the right side. You know, push game to shove. That's what I would do too. Either McKenney or Musa for me. Have him run up and down the, uh, through the middle and help link up our attacks. That's what he's best at. It, this this tends to happen uh, every time we do the Dortmund podcast. But it seems like by the time the episode comes out, we have a lot more news on the players so there's a good chance that by the time we you've listened to us say everything you can just check twitter or uh whatever the latest press conference was and find out what's really going on or who knows we'll find out we have a surprise injury a day of like we tend to do with Dortmund but uh I mean do you guys have any predictions for for this game I'll, I'll just start and before I pass it to you guys I went on my my American freedom revolution rant uh a couple episodes ago so I don't even do that again but I'm I'm I, I'll be optimistic and say, like, I, I think we can get a result against England, a win. I'm I'm not sure there, but I think we can get a draw. Like, I'm, I'm confident that you, just us as Americans, like, we have that, like, American edge. Like, there's a little more 
in this game <laughs> because it's America versus England. That hopefully gives us uh, what we need to, to get a result out of this game. If if Maguire starts and Kane is injured, I feel like we could also get a result out of this. And we've got some pacing wingers that can tear that fridge apart, and he's not going to be able to do really anything about it. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. If I'm, I'm awful with uh, scoreline predictions, but I'll say 2-1 U.S. if Kane doesn't play, 2-2 tie if he does. Cool. Well, Carver is yawning, um, so <laughs> we, maybe we should... <laughs> quick credit to matt turner um who if it weren't oh, yeah. for the speed oh, yeah. of that pk he would have saved it it went off his fingertips he guessed right it, it was just so such a dagger to see that i mean it was a great it was a great pk attempt and he played a, a great match the rest of the game too so credit to him yeah i i had a, a lot of confidence on that pk honestly like i thought i was just feeling it that I, he was going to save it. And he, he, he did get close. And there's so much power on it. And then he made that big save off the header. Um, I don't remember if that, that was before or after, but yeah, he, he had a great game. So uh, no problems with him being our, our number one. Um, but yeah, so Black Friday, US versus England Revolution Part 2. Um, part 3. Well, how many revolutions have we had at this point? But seems like a big one <laughs> right now. So especially on Black Friday, it's going to be exciting. Oh, yeah. Good day to watch a, a soccer game. Kickoff is at... Two o'clock Eastern time, one Central. Carver, are you? What's your plans for the game? I will be at the dam, Amsterdam Tavern. If you're in St. Louis, you already know what the Amsterdam Tavern is. Matt, are you ultra again? I'll be ultra. I've got some family members coming with me. Going to bring my oldest daughter, um, her first trip to the stadium, and she's excited to watch the the national team play. If you're not in St. Louis, ultra is at our new soccer stadium, City Park. Um, for our new MLS club, uh, it's it's the Ultra Lounge, and it's just this this really cool room, kind of above the stadium. It's all glass. It was a uh, Matt and I were both there for the last game. It's a really cool experience. Um, so, also Matt, you got to plug your your socials for everybody in St. Louis knows Matt, especially if they're soccer fans. But uh, for those of you who might not be in St. Louis, um, Matt, you give a little plug for yourself at Matt Baker STL M A T T B A K E R S T L. Pretty much everywhere. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, if you like my personal family information. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I if, if you follow me on Twitter, you're pretty much going to get soccer takes and just some bad STL takes. <laughs> I, I I have credit to Luch Fennestiel, uh, our sporting director. He has gotten me more uh, to tweet about the German side of the game because uh, I will admit to being a Premier League watcher on Saturday mornings. And I have definitely gotten more into the Bundesliga since we've had that connection there. So, and of course, the national team connections just across the board. There you go. It's official. You can follow Matt Baker for Bundesliga content here, here on out, <laughs> which is a good follow. If you're going to be tweeting Bundesliga, it's a real good follow. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, we will talk with you. I think we're going to be back with another episode after USA versus England, uh, depending on how that goes and the holidays go. I don't know. We could just be really sad about it too. We'll see. Uh, but we'll probably be back. Matt, thanks again for joining us. Uh, it's always great hanging out. I and mean, Matt and I have done another podcast called Flyover Footy Podcast, which was also part of uh, that Geek Impressing live show we did. So, Matt, it's always fun talking soccer with Matt. Follow him on Twitter. He's a good follow, like I said. And, yeah, we'll be back next week. We appreciate it, guys. See ya.